Hey, uh, so uh, this morning as I start, I wanted to talk about uh, introverts and extroverts. You know, as we're coming out of, how many people are glad we're in the red tier? Can I get an amen out of anyone? I ate indoors yesterday for the first time legally, legally, yeah. I've been doing it for a while now, but uh, introverts and extroverts have handled this pandemic, though, uh, and the lockdowns a little differently. Let me, let me ask a question. How many introverts do we have here? Yeah, look at the, look how quiet the introverts are. They're so quiet. How about extroverts? How many extroverts you got in the house? Woo! It's a party for the extroverts, right? This is how it works, right? When we heard we were going into lockdown on the pandemics, the introverts were like, Woohoo! Right? And the extroverts were like, no! But, but we handle these things completely differently, right? And uh, I, I, am a, I am an extrovert. I don't completely understand how introverts think. I, I live with some, and so I do. But I one time asked a person, uh, I said, so, so you're an introvert. Tell me about that. And they said, yeah, that's not really how this works, right? We don't, we don't talk about what it's like to be an introvert. Uh, it's funny because introverts are more scared. Uh, a lot of people are scared of skydiving. Introverts are more scared of the banter in the plane. So like an introvert's all strapped in. They're ready to go, right? And, and then the skydiving instructor looks over and says, so where are you from? And the introvert's like, Bah! They jump out and the instructor's like, we're supposed to go together. And you're like, I'm good. I got this, right? The introverts and extroverts just handle things differently. Coffee shops. I am convinced that introverts design coffee shops. Do you, do you know why? Have you been into a coffee shop recently? I mean, coffee shops, like they've almost done away with the two tops and the four tops where people sit together. Now they just have this long bar that faces a wall. And it's a bunch of introverts sipping coffee, facing the wall, right? Like they're being punished or something over there. And they, they don't make eye contact or anything, but that, that's what they do. I've always wondered, introverts, if you go to the same coffee shop for a long time and eventually the baristas know your name, do you have to go to a different coffee shop at that point? You're like, hey amen, it was getting a little too friendly in there, right? I, I got to go someplace else, right? We, we operate differently. Um, you see, it, introverts, extroverts, when we think our thoughts, we think them out here. They're out on the outside of our head. They're milling around. They're forming. They're doing all kinds of things. Introverts think their thoughts right in here, just right in here. That's where they think them. And, and it's funny because introverts genuinely like extroverts. Is what I'm, how many people, I am married to an introvert. Anybody married to the opposite of what you are? Anybody? Yeah. You know why that works? Because extroverts like to talk a lot. And introverts have to listen in that moment, right? And it's tough for them because they, they got to listen. But extroverts, like when they're having a conversation, right? They, they, they'll say, you know, uh, hey, hey, did you, see, uh, did you see Julie at church last week? Yeah, why? Well, Julie was wearing a, she was wearing a pink blouse with, it was burnt orange. It had concentric circles that looked like a supernova. In addition to that, she was wearing some very tasteful and modest jeans. They were, they were a deep blue. They had, sa- they had gemstones along the belt and, and there were sapphires and onyx and there was precious stones. And I don't know if you noticed, there was a scent about her. And then there was, I don't know, I just felt some spiritual energy coming off of her. And then, are you listening to me? That's when extroverts always ask, are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? And the introvert answered, yes. Oh, really? What did I say? Everything. And then my head wanted to explode, right? 
We handle things differently. And here's the difference between extroverts and introverts. When extroverts and introverts heard that our society was opening back up, we were going to be able to meet again together. Extroverts went, woohoo! And introverts went, no! But here's the truth. Extroverts, introverts, we need each other. Like, we desperately need each other. And, and we need each other in this life. In fact, in the biblical account... Uh, This morning's message is called Reconnect to Each Other. And in the biblical account of creation, we see that God created the heavens and the earth. And then he created the sky and the land, and he said, it is good. A little bit later, God created vegetation, and he created plants and bushes and trees, and he said, it is good. Then God created the seasons and he created the sun and the moon and he hung the stars. And what did he say? It is good. And then God created life. He created the the sea, all the fishes in the sea and the birds of the air and and animals and livestock and critters that crawl on the ground. And, And finally he created man and he looked around and he said what? It is good. Then God created a garden called Eden and he It flowed with water, the Bible says, and it was filled with these vegetation and trees and fruit, and it was this beautiful and perfect place. And when God surveyed the scene, for the first time, God would say this. Then the Lord said, it is what? It is not good for the man to be alone. Solomon was the richest and wisest man that ever lived. And he wrote a book uh, about sort of the meaning of life is what this book was about in Ecclesiastes. And he was searching for the meaning of life. Listen to what he says in Ecclesiastes here. He says, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is what? All alone, without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so what? Meaningless and depressing. It says two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is what? They're in real trouble. As we begin this morning, I want to show you a clip from a TED Talk. Um, This TED Talk is is by the director of the Harvard Study of Adult Development. And this is probably the longest study that's ever been done on adult life uh, in our history. For 75 years, get this, 75 years, they tracked the lives of 724 men. Every year they asked them about their work and their home and their health and and, and they asked them all these questions, but get this, they did it when they started without having any idea how these guys' lives would turn out. And so I want you to take a look at this. There are 60 of these 724 men that are still alive. They're still participating in the study, and most of them are well into their 90s. Take a look at this video. Since 1938, we've tracked the lives of two groups of men. The first group started in the study when they were sophomores at Harvard College. They were from what Tom Brokaw has called the greatest generation. They all finished college during World War II, and then most went off to serve in the war. And the second group that we've followed was a group of boys from Boston's poorest neighborhoods 
boys who were chosen for the study specifically because they were from some of the most troubled and disadvantaged families in the Boston of the 1930s. Most lived in tenements, many without hot and cold running water. When they entered the study, all of these teenagers were interviewed, they were given medical exams. We went to their homes and we interviewed their parents. And then these teenagers grew up into adults who entered all walks of life. They became factory workers and lawyers and bricklayers and doctors, one president of the United States. Some developed alcoholism. A few developed schizophrenia. Some climbed the social ladder from the bottom all the way to the very top, and some made that journey in the opposite direction. The founders of this study would never in their wildest dreams have imagined that I would be standing here today, 75 years later, telling you that the study still continues. Every two years, our patient and dedicated research staff calls up our men and asks them if we can send them yet one more set of questions about their lives. Many of the inner-city Boston men ask us, why do you keep wanting to study me? My life just isn't that interesting. The Harvard men never ask that question. To get the clearest picture of these lives, we don't just send them questionnaires. We interview them in their living rooms. We get their medical records from their doctors. We draw their blood. We scan their brains. We talk to their children. We videotape them talking with their wives about their deepest concerns. And when, about a decade ago, we finally asked the wives if they would join us as members of the study, many of the women said, You know, it's about time. (laughs) So what have we learned? What are the lessons that come from the tens of thousands of pages of information that we've generated on these lives? Well, the lessons aren't about wealth or fame or working harder and harder. The clearest message that we get from this 75-year study is this. Good relationships keep us happier and healthier, period. We've learned three big lessons about relationships. The first is that social connections are really good for us and that loneliness kills. It turns out that people who are more socially connected to family, to friends, to community are happier, they're physically healthier, and they live longer than people who are less well-connected. And the experience of loneliness turns out to be toxic. People who are more isolated than they want to be from others find that they are less happy, their health declines earlier in midlife, their brain functioning declines sooner, and they live shorter lives than people who are not lonely. And the sad fact is that at any given time, more than one in five Americans will report that they're lonely. Relationships are the only thing that matters in this life. Relationship with God and relationship with others. That's it. Period. 
hard stop. Because everything else will fade away. Everything else will burn up in the fire. And you need relationships. You need a community. And I would tell you as a, as a, as a member of this church and as a member of the faith community you're in, I would tell you you need a biblical community. You need a place where you understand who God is and you walk that out with other people. Like you need it. It's not optional. You need it. You need to be investing in relationships. Let me tell you the big point for today is this. Good relationships keep us happier and healthier mentally, physically, and spiritually. You got that in your notes? You can write it in there. Good relations keep us happier and healthier mentally, physically, and spiritually. The key verse for this in our, uh, in our text of the Bible is, is in Acts chapter 2. And I want to read this together as we do so you can see where this comes from. It says, and all the believers met where? Together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped how? Together at the temple each day. And they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great what? Joy and what else? Generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now this passage is often used to show what a church uh, or a faith community is supposed to look like. This was the incredible beginning of the church. Um, Peter had preached at Pentecost, which is about 50 days after Easter. Uh, He preached in 3,000 people became believers that day. And so immediately the church went from a few ragtag people to this massive, this massive church. It was really the first mega church that kind of started. Only get this, they had no building. They had no Bible, not like we have. All they had was the Holy Spirit and each other. That's all they had was the Holy Spirit and each other. And here's, I want to take you through a few things that we see that they had together in that early church. And the first is this. They shared a common faith. They shared a common faith. Just a couple of verses before those verses I read, we see what this uh, new community was all about. And it says this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the what? Fellowship. And to the sharing in what? Meals and to prayer. See, these people shared a common faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus was the center of their community. He was the reason this entire community existed. It's a little bit like if you were ever on a sports team, it could have been any sports team, basketball, baseball, soccer, whatever. That sport, that thing was the reason for your relationships. In fact, there's probably people on that team that you would have never had a relationship except you played together. Where you work is sometimes the foundation of those relationships, right? They're centered on your job. And if you quit your job, you're going to lose a bunch of those relationships or they'll change. If you join a, a car club or a book club or an art class or anything like that, that is the focus and the reason for your community. And Jesus is the reason for this community. He's the reason. Without him, we don't need this community. 
He's the reason. Now, think about this, because when Jesus began his ministry, when he started his ministry here on earth, the very first thing he did was assemble a a group, like a small group, a community group. That's what he did. Think about the people that were in that group. There were some fishermen. There was a, a tax collector. There was a zealot. There was a doubter. There was a betrayer, right? And the only thing that these guys that came from very different walks of life had together in common was this rabbi named Jesus who they followed and listened to. And when he said, come and follow me, they came and followed him. And the thing is, the Bible teaches us that when we choose a community, when we choose a community centered around Jesus, we become family. That's what it says in the Bible. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says this. So now you Gentiles are no longer what? Strangers and what else? Foreigners. Instead, you are citizens Along with all of God's holy people, you are members of what? God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is who? Christ Jesus himself. So we see that we're a family because of Jesus. The second thing that they shared is they shared a common place. They shared a common place. Now this one is important because... They gathered together at the same place and at the same times regularly. Listen to some of that passage that we started with again. In Acts chapter 2 verse 44 it says, And all the believers, what did they do? They met together in where? One place and they shared everything they had. In verse 46 it says they worshipped how? Together at where? The temple each day. And they met where? In homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. So biblical community has to happen someplace. I mean, any kind of community has to happen somewhere. And for the new church, it happened in these homes. Um, And it happened in the temple courts. And it happened around food. Can I get an amen out of anyone? Yeah, how many barbecue, let's get some pizza, let's do something. Like that's what makes community, right? Um, but it happened face to face. That's why we gather. I mean, that's why we gather here on Mills Avenue every Sunday, right? We, we gather so that we can sing together and we can talk before and after church together. And that's why I boldly beg you to join a community group. Uh, because you need to put yourself out there in relationships and group is where we can talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus, what it, what it looks like to have this faith and, and share our struggles, right? To give each other perspectives on our problems. And they happen in homes, and the best ones have food. Can I get an amen at anyone? We used to, when I was in Elk Grove, for almost 10 years, we were in the same community group, Nicole and I. And every Wednesday night, we would show up at our friend John and Tina's house, and we would sit in their living room. And every Wednesday night, one of the gals from our group, Lorna, would walk in. She'd walk straight in the front door, but instead of coming into the living room where we sat, she would make a hard right, and she would go into the kitchen. 
She would go into the kitchen. She would go into the cabinets. Not her kitchen. Not her cabinets. So that we understand each other. She would grab a bowl from the cabinet. She would grab a spoon from the drawer. She would grab the cereal box from the pantry. And she would pour herself a big bowl of whatever sugary cereal they had. It was either Apple Jacks or Fruity O's or Cocoa Pebble Crufts or whatever it was. And she would grab that, pour the milk in and walk in. And before she even got into the room, she was already eating her cereal. And in sweatpants, in someone else's house, eating someone else's cereal, Lorna would sit down. What's up, guys? That was, Lorna's here. Like, like it was that kind of an environment where she could just walk in and be there in community with her group. She felt like she was at her house. Listen to what it says in the scripture. Matthew 18, 20, it says, For where, how many? Two or three gathered together as my followers. I am there among them. Whenever we gather in his name, around his purposes, he is present in our biblical community. But get this, you have to show up. You got to show up. You got to attend. There are a ton of statistics on church attendance. In fact, this last week, we saw an article that said for the first time in American history, people who are affiliated with a church drop below 50%. There are people who are saying, I'm not affiliated with any church, synagogue, mosque, anything like that. I'm just not affiliated with a church anymore. 50% of people. And, that, and that's a statistic you can't argue with. But I heard another uh, person say, one of the problems with church at this point is, it's not that less people are going to church, although those statistics would say less people are. It's not that less people are going to church, but that people are going to church less. Let me tell you something. Every time you show up here, you build relationships. Every time you show up here, you build relationships. And every time you skip it, your relationships suffer. And it's not just, it's not just biblical community. This is all community, really. Let me, let me paint it for you this way. If you don't show up at Thanksgiving for a couple of years, people will stop thinking of you as family. Right? If you, when your friends are going out to go do something all together and, and you, they invite you, but you decide to not show up a few times, those people are going to stop thinking of you as part of their group. And if you don't show up to work, well, first of all, you don't work there anymore, but if you don't show up to work, eventually, if you leave that place, those relationships will go away or change dramatically. You're going to lose those relationships. Half of being successful in relationships is just showing up. It's just showing up regularly. Relationships happen in a place where people gather. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It says, let us think of ways to what? Motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our what? Let's not neglect our meeting together as some do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You got to show up. Um, But when we show up, you don't just show up and twiddle your thumbs. You don't just show up and twiddle your thumbs. This is important because they shared a common purpose. They shared a common purpose. In that passage we were looking at, we see that common purpose. In verse 45 it says, They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with who? 
those in need. In verse 47 it says, And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were what? Being saved. Right? These people did stuff together. They did God's stuff together. Biblical communities do God's stuff together. They cared for each other. They spread the good news. They, they reach out to lost people. They serve the poor. This may sound silly, but the only reason that you were friends with Billy Snotnose down the street from you when you were a little kid, the only reason you were friends with Billy is because you did stuff with Billy. You were out running the neighborhood with Billy, and so you became friends. You did stuff together. How many people are still close with their high school friends that in the back of their yearbooks that keep in touch forever, will never be separated, whatever, and you haven't seen them in 30 years? You want to know why you haven't seen them in 30 years? You don't do stuff together anymore. The truth of the matter is, is you've got to do stuff together. Relationships die. Relationships die when you don't have a purpose together anymore. Man, we have groups in this church that serve coffee together because of kids in India. And they have a purpose in the way that they do that. Right? We have people in this church, we have groups in this church that works on the soundboard and the screens and the lights and the cameras. Give a little love to the camera guys. And somewhere buried in a room where he's not allowed to be seen or other people. But, uh, but you, they have a purpose when they show up here. They have people that prepare lunches for funerals and they gather and they have a purpose in that community, right? And our community groups that we have here are the same thing. They are, they are purposeful. It is purposeful that we care for each other. It, it is on purpose that we decide to grow together in our relationship with Jesus Christ. It is on purpose that we take care of each other. We meet each other's needs. That's the purpose of the group. Listen to what it says in Philippians. Philippians chapter 2 says this. Is there any, what? Encouragement from belonging to Christ. Is there any comfort from his love? Any, what? Fellowship together in the spirit. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy. By agreeing wholeheartedly with who? Each other. What are we doing? Loving one another. And what else? Working together with one mind and one purpose. We do it on purpose. Which leads me to? Thank you. You guys are getting right in the groove. I love that. Here, let's take another look at at another clip from that TED Talk a little later on. Why is this so hard to get and so easy to ignore? Well, we're human. What we'd really like is a quick fix, something we can get that'll make our lives good and keep them that way. Relationships are messy and they're complicated and the the hard work of tending to family and friends, that's not sexy or glamorous. It's also lifelong. It never ends. The people in our 75-year study who were the happiest in retirement were the people who had actively worked to replace workmates with new playmates. Just like the millennials in that recent survey, many of our men, when they were starting out as young adults, really believed that fame and wealth and high achievement were what they needed to go after to have a good life. 
But over and over, over these 75 years, our study has shown that the people who fared the best were the people who leaned into relationships with family, with friends, with community. So what about you? Let's say you're 25 or you're 40 or you're 60. What might leaning into relationships even look like? Well, the possibilities are practically endless. It might be something as simple as replacing screen time with people time or livening up a stale relationship by doing something new together, long walks or date nights, or reaching out to that family member who you haven't spoken to in years because those all-too-common family feuds take a terrible toll on the people who hold the grudges. So what does it mean to lean into these relationships? What does that look like? In Colossians chapter 3, it says this. Make allowance for each other's what? Oh yeah, you guys got to say that a little bit louder. You people who think you don't got any faults. You got some faults. Do you know that? Make allowance for each other's what? Faults. Absolutely. And forgive anyone who offends you. And remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive who? Others. Above all, clothe yourselves with what? Love. Which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Harmony. There you go. One person. What does it look like to lean into these relationships? I'm going to talk to you about two groups of relationships that I want you to think about leaning into. Two important biblical communities in your life. The first is family. There's family and friends. Now, during this pandemic, you people should have got enough of your family at this point. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you, you probably spent more time than you, than you wanted to with your family. But I want to talk to you about family because family is the hardest community, in my opinion. But it's also the most important community. And the reason why is because families last for a lifetime, right? And families change constantly, Right? First, you're a kid, and you're totally dependent on your mom and dad and your family. And then, then you become a teenager, and finally, you know everything you need to about the world, right? And you, you, you're trying to be independent, and you're trying to prove yourself. And then, and then you grow up a little bit older, you're sort of a young adult, and for the first time, you suddenly think, hey, maybe I might want mom and dad's advice on this again, and then eventually the roles get reversed, right? And, and, you want, and mom and dad start needing your help. And you're like, but this is how an iPhone works, mom. I'm trying to explain it to you. Uh, but that's how it works. And, and, and eventually you have to take over and you care for mom and dad. And then one day you wake up and you realize, hey, I'm old. And I, my kids have to start managing me. And in the end, they absolutely care for you. It's this crazy shift that we go through with these people in our lives. Man, do not neglect the biblical community of your family. You have an opportunity there. You have a great opportunity for lifelong, life-giving relationships in your family. Butlers are too big for a small group. It's fine. Uh, But don't neglect that because it is huge. And if you have a broken relationship in your family somewhere right now, listen closely to me. Fix it now. Don't wait. 
fix the relationship now because that community is a valuable community where your faith will grow and you meet each other's needs. And then there's the biblical community of friends. And I've heard it said, friends are the family that you get to choose. Can I get an amen at anybody? Friends are the family that you get to choose. You absolutely do. Um, And here at FBC, we live this out in community groups. That's what it looks like around here. And you should be in one. Unashamedly, you should be in one. Um, But you have to put yourself out there. You've got to take the risk and make the effort to be connected. You've got to jump out there. I'm going to say something that may be a little controversial and a little harsh. And if you don't like what I'm about to say, it's fine. You can email me at glenn at fbclodi.org and uh, I will answer that. Here's the harsh truth. Lonely people are lonely because they choose to be lonely. Ouch. Lonely people are lonely because they choose to be lonely. I heard somebody say one time, and it just rocked my world and messed with me. It says this, you are perfectly aligned to get the results you are currently getting. The actions and the attitudes and the way you live your life, you are perfectly aligned to get the results that you are currently getting. If you are lonely, it's likely because you are choosing some behaviors and environments that are keeping you lonely. If you are sitting on a couch for 12 hours a day watching TV, you're choosing loneliness. If you're younger and you come home from school and you immediately grab a phone and you you start watching TikToks or videos or whatever that you're doing on your phone for six, eight hours, you are choosing loneliness when you do that. It's, it's, It's true. And you're going to have to make some changes. You're going to have to try something new. You need a new friendship. And you got to put yourself out there for a new friendship. you got to call somebody and say, hey, uh, do you want to get pizza? Do you want to go get a coffee at the Lonely Coffee Bar? Uh, you you got to do something if you want to get that going. A new environment, a new hobby, a new job, a new something. you got to do something new. you got to put down those little screens. It's so funny. Young people are replacing real relationships with these little screens. And older people, before you think I'm going to let you off, many older people are replacing real relationships with bigger screens. And for some reason, older men are replacing real relationships with novels about World War II. I don't know why, but they all have a thing for World War II. But none of those things will lead you to these life-giving relationships that we're talking about. None of these things will give you the fulfillment you can find in relationships in a biblical community. All of us have needs, amen? We all have needs. So, let me just sum it up this way. Some days we need a, we need a hug, amen? Someday we need a hug. It's okay, guys, you can nod your head. Sometimes you need a hug. Listen to what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5. It says this. So encourage each other, and what? Build each other up, just as you are already doing. Some days we need a hug. Some days we need a pick-me-up. Some days we need somebody, anybody, to remind us that we can do it and it's all going to be okay. But some days we need a kick in the... If you know what I'm talking about. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 27. It says this. 
Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. We need somebody to call us out on our crapola. That's an Italian word. We need somebody who knows us well enough to force us to do what's best for us. We need somebody to call sin, sin in our lives. We need somebody who will force us to deal with our junk, somebody that instead of hiding from it or wallowing in self-pity, they will come and, uh, I've always said it this way, we need somebody to beat the stupid out of us sometimes. You know what I mean? You need somebody who will be willing to do that in your life. And let me tell you something, those relationships take time. You have to invest in them. They take effort, and they have, you have to earn that status in somebody's life. Listen, some days we need a hug. Some days we need a kick in the... But you need some people who know the difference. You need some people in your life that know the difference of whether you need encouragement or whether you need a kick in the tail. And they can give you what you need. And you do the same for them. Listen, if you don't have a biblical community like that right now, there's only two ways you can do that here at First Baptist. You can either form a group or you can join a group. I would like to invite you to form a group. Forming a group, I think, is the easiest way. When you form a group, you just say, I I like these other few people and I want to start getting together regularly with them and talk about our lives and talk about our faith and see what that looks like. You get to pick your own group. Form a group. Some people think, well, Steve, I don't have someone to lead it or a pastor or a deacon or an elder. We don't care about any of that. All we we need is for you guys to love each other and to open God's word a little bit together. Form your own group and then tell me about it. And I'll support you and love you and encourage you along the way. Form a group. Now for some of you, you're like, well, that's too much for me. Sorry, introverts. Uh, It's too much for you. And you think to yourself, well, I, I I, I need to join a group. If it's missing in your life, you need to join a group. And, and join some people that are already in a group that are like that. And you think, well, how can I get connected? Well, in your outline notes, on the back side of your outline notes, you will find a QR code like this. If you're under the age of 40, teach the people next to you what a QR code is, okay? You take your phone and you hang it, you do it over that thing and it'll launch a, a, a website that'll give you a sign-up sheet that will come straight to me and I'll call you this week and I will try and get you in a group that will work for you. We got groups on campus, we got groups off campus, we got groups for women, start, we got a new group for men starting on Wednesday night. We got, we got all kinds of groups, we got regular groups, we got any kind of group you can imagine. And the truth is, you will be happier and healthier mentally, physically, and spiritually, if you will just get connected. But if you're going to get connected, you got to step out, and then you got to show up regularly. Would you pray with me? Father God, I, I know how true all of this stuff is. I don't need a study. Uh, I don't need a TED Talk to tell me that. Your word shows us that it's true. We see this modeled amongst, amongst your people, God. They gathered in homes and, and the disciples lived it out for years together, God. Father, I know today there's someone here that's listening that's thinking, I need this in my life. I've been disconnected through COVID. I, I know it's time to get back face to face with other people and believers. God, I pray that you would prompt their spirit to, to do something about it, God.
to heal a family relationship, to form a group or join a group, God. But I know within the sound of my voice, there are people here that are dealing with loneliness, real loneliness, the kind of loneliness that is debilitating and painful, God. I pray that in this moment you would comfort them. But God, I also pray that you would inspire and prompt them to make a change, to bring someone new into their life, that they might experience this kind of community we so see so clearly communicated in your word. God, help us to find each other and to find purpose in being your, your disciples and your children together. In your son Jesus' name, amen.